welcome to the one in one podcast where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget Bay. My guest today is Tia Wileggi, who played basketball at Princeton University from 2014 to 2018, has also played for the Cameroon national team, as well as professionally overseas. Tia, welcome to the show. So much for having me. Of course, I'm glad to have you. So you grew up in Overland Park, Kansas. I have to ask, were you a big Jayhawks fan growing up? Um, I was and I wasn't. So I had a lot of friends who were Jayhawks fans, but I personally was never really um, invested. So I would say I was like a fan by association. Okay. Um, <laughs> that makes right. sense. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. What, um, how far away was campus for you? Um, really only about... 45 minute drive so not far i remember we went to a few like women's basketball games growing up oh, nice. um it was always fun just like seeing players the next level which obviously i was aspiring to um be at the time so yeah it was, it was really close and really convenient that's awesome so since you were able to play on cameroon's national team were you born there or do you have dual citizenship because i know your dad has played for the national team as well Yeah, so I wasn't born there, but because both my parents were born there, I was eligible to play on the team. Um, And yeah, my dad did play for them, so it was helpful in having connections um, for people, like knowing who me and my sisters were coming up um, in the basketball circuit. Um, But yeah, we go back there and visit often. Um, We stay, a lot of our family is still back there, actually, so they go back and um, stay in touch with them. So yeah. Nice, nice. That's awesome. We'll get more into your time with them in a bit. But you come, you know, you mentioned your dad. You come from such an athletic family. It's incredible. So not only did your dad play basketball for the national team, but he actually played soccer at Boston University. Do I have that right? Yes, he did. Yeah, I can't remember the years. I don't think he's really told us specifically, so we can't date him. But um, yeah, he did play at BU for four years. Um, and he's just been a very big advocate for soccer and basketball and me and my sister's um, years growing up. So that's been a big part of our lives for sure. Oh, that's awesome. And you, you have two mm-hmm. sisters, both either played or are currently playing in the Ivy League for basketball. Nellie played at Brown from 2011 to 2015. And Serena is currently playing at Penn. Really unfair that your your family has the brains and the athleticism. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. So it was really, um, I mean, just growing up, obviously basketball is a huge part of our lives, but our parents always emphasize the importance on athletics because, I mean, academics, because obviously athletics can only take you so far, and it's really important to have um, another asset be your, who you are. So they really emphasize, like, doing well in school and making sure that we're always on top of our grades. Um, so when it came time to go to college, my older sister, um, we always call her the guinea pig of our family because she's kind of like the trailblazer. Um, and she went to Brown and that really kind of opened my eyes to the Ivy league and the East coast generally. Cause before that, I really had no, um, idea or perspective of what that was all about. So she was kind of like the, um, like I said, the trailblazer and helping us all get to that level. So, yeah. I think it's so cool that you guys all wind up at different schools so far from home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. People always, like, ask my parents. They were, like, so sad that um, we all went so far. But, of course, they missed us. So they're just mostly proud that we were living out our dreams um, and just creating really good lives for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're in the Ivies. I, I know your parents will miss you, but they're definitely happy where you're at. <laughs> exactly. So I'm assuming you got into basketball through your dad and I guess through Nellie starting first and she's a little bit older? Yeah, of course. So my dad... Um, 
when we were younger, he started two teams, actually, one for soccer, one for basketball, and coached all three of us in those, both those programs as we grew up. And then eventually we all just chose basketball, and he continued on those programs. Um, so it was called Lifestyle Basketball Club, and it's based in Oakland Park, Kansas. Um, it actually came pretty big. He even had a team younger than my youngest sister. Um, we're always very competitive, always at the top of our age groups, um, and even played up. So it, it, it was really um, obviously very helpful in our development, then also in the development of, of other players um, in the area. Um, and it was just a really good experience. Yeah, that's awesome that he started that. Mm-hmm. I have to yeah. ask, how was your soccer game before you ultimately chose to stick with basketball? Um, it was good. I've always been like, um, a pretty physical player, so I, I I excelled in soccer in that way. But for me, I just like the outdoors is like not my thing. Like especially like soccer tryouts are in like the middle of the summer, middle of the day. Like it's so hot, there's bugs. Like it was just like not my thing. So I think basketball is a lot more suitable for me in that way. I hear you on that. Yeah, you start <laughs> soccer season, it's hot. And then at least mm-hmm. where I am in Jersey, by the time, you know, you're finishing up in November, you're playing outside and you're freezing. So I totally yeah, exactly. get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so good decision for you to stick with basketball. It obviously takes you very far. And in high school, you attend St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, phenomenal career. Your team goes 86 and 12 in your four years. And I'm assuming you only got to play with Nelly for one year, right? It's a three-year age gap? Yep, yeah. So I played, it was my freshman year, her senior year. Um, and honestly, it was probably the, that worked out as best as it could have because um, when I came in as a freshman, I was on varsity, and that alone is very intimidating. So having her there um, and just, like, her being able to guide me and kind of, like, show me the rope was perfect. And then her leaving for my second year was helpful and I could then develop and kind of like create my own game, um, my own persona. So it was actually perfect the way it worked out. Oh, that's awesome. And how far mm-hmm. did you guys go in that one year that you were together? So that was the year that we actually like created history. So we went 25 and 0, um, which was basically unheard of. Um, and obviously one state and it was like the best experience, of course, doing it with my sister something that we always look back on even now. Um, yeah, it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal year that we had. That's amazing. Yeah, you get a state title. I didn't know, and you actually get another one as well in your four years, right? Yes, I did. I think um, my junior year, it was so long ago, but I think it was my <laughs> junior year that we won um, the state championship again. That's awesome. And you mm-hmm. were three-time All-State, your two-time All-League, uh, you were a McDonald's All-American nominee, so just incredible career for you in high school. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, honestly, I have to attribute that to my dad, um, obviously because he got me into the game, but then in high school um, and just those very critical de- developmental years, he was really, really intentional with how he helped me with my development. Um, I remember before every game he would take me to like our local gyms, like get some shots up to warm up, make sure my shot was good for the game. Like um, just constantly working with me on my game to develop and really push me to be the best I could be. And I think that's why I was able to have some success um, in those years and onward, of course. Definitely, definitely. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, can you discuss your recruiting process? And I'd love to know if Brown was an option for you with Nelly there. Yeah, Brown definitely was an option. So like I said, when I first started in my recruiting process, um, so kind of before Nelly was in college, I wasn't really looking at the East Coast too much just because 
Um, while from the Midwest, and that's all I've really known, and most people in the Midwest um, that were older than me were going to school in the Midwest. But once Nellie went out to the East Coast and went to Brown and the Ivy League, I kind of just like kind of um, opened up my horizons and what I thought I could achieve. Um, and Brown was definitely on the list, but I felt a little, I guess, weary of going to the same school as my older sister because in high school I was always known as like Nellie's little sister and the little Waleji. So I was like, maybe not the um, best thing I went for college. Um, but definitely was nice to still be in the same league as her so we could bond on that and also play against each other. Um, but yeah, so she was definitely very helpful in um, that process as well. I love that. You chose your own path. So what was <laughs> what ultimately led you to choose Princeton? Yeah, um, Princeton was honestly kind of late on my radar. I think I went to their summer camp um, my junior year and just seeing the campus one just like took my breath away. Um, but then um, at that time, Coach Courtney Banghart was bringing the program on, it was on the rise, and they were starting to have a lot of success, and I thought it would be the perfect place to, one, be able to excel um, academically, but also athletically, and kind of have the best of both worlds, so um, once I started talking to the coaches more and got to know the team, it just kind of um, felt like a no-brainer. And you have to get into Princeton, right, with all the Ivy Leagues. They don't give out scholarships, and then, you know, they're not in the – the coaches aren't in the admissions office being like, okay, let's get this person in. So you clearly had a strong academic career, as you said, that your parents really stressed that. Yeah, for sure. Like, of course, the coaches can recruit you. Um, so when, like, you commit, you commit to the admission process, not to make the actual school because mm-hmm. you still have to, like, get the right grades, make sure your test scores are high enough. So, um, yeah, it still is very competitive um, once you, you know, prove yourself athletically that you can play on the team to then follow through with your academics to make sure that you're going to be um, a good fit for the university. Definitely. Yeah, and Princeton is a very pretty campus. My brother, I actually told mm-hmm. you off air, lives down in that area, and he had his mm-hmm. wedding pictures done on campus, so the whole wedding party was there. But I can confidently mm-hmm. say that no one in that wedding party could have gotten into Princeton. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, yeah, it's a very, it's a gorgeous campus. I mean, and essentially all um, seasons, like, you can just find so much beauty in all areas of the campus. And that's one of my favorite parts um, while I was there, just being able to take in all that beauty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you're near a couple of cities, right? Philadelphia isn't far. You can take a train up to New York. It's a cool area. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I really enjoyed that I wasn't, like, in a city, so I could focus on, you know, bringing up Princeton and that experience. Then I was grateful that I was close enough, but I did want to have that experience um, to go and visit local cities. So, yeah, for sure. Very cool. Now, with Nellie at Brown, could you guys see each other? Probably not during the season because you're so busy, but, um, you know, off-season. How long of a ride is that? Um, I want to say, so actually my, um, the spring of my freshman year, I took a train up there. I think it was like maybe four and a half, five hours. Obviously, the trains are a little bit faster than driving. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that was the only time we got to see each other um, out of season because, like, the distance and our busy schedules. But it was nice to be able to um, hang out both in, as college students and as sisters. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So you get to campus in the fall of 2014. How was that transition to college? Because a couple things are going on, right? You're transitioning from high school basketball to Division One college basketball. You're at the one of the top academic schools, and then you're also very far from home. So I have to imagine there's a little bit of diffi- difficulty there. Yeah, for sure. It was a huge like change, like a whole different world. I think I was really lucky that 
um, when you're on the athletic team, you come into school like already having friends, your teammates, um, and so they can kind of show you the ropes, you know, um, help you choose your classes, help you learn about campus, where things are, just give you advice, you know, coming into college. So that was definitely huge. Um, but even with that, it's still just like such a big shock. And I definitely had my struggles, um, both athletically and academically, but I think that's where I was able to grow the most and um, just learn the most about myself. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. How was mm-hmm. it balancing, though, academics and athletics? That's got to be, both are so demanding. Yeah, it was very difficult. Um, I think kind of going back to how my parents raised us um, in high school, um, making sure that we were really good at time management and finding time to dedicate to our um, school and then also like basketball, I think that was very helpful. Um, of course, college is a whole different, another, a whole nother level. Um, so I think just like working with the mentors there and finding um, your own schedule that really works for you and in which you can be the most productive is really important. But Definitely took a little while to find, but once I found it, I was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what was your major? Um, so I actually studied ecology and evolutionary biology. Oh, wow. Um, that sounds hard. <laughs> yeah, it, it was challenging, but it was also just a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah. Okay, nice, nice. And, you know, we just saw Princeton do a great job in the NCAA tournament. They were led by Coach Berube. You had mentioned you, you were coached by Coach Courtney Banghart's team, and she really built a dynasty at Princeton. You guys have been a dominant force in the Ivy League for years. And I'm from Jersey, so I'm, I'm well aware of the success. And it's only going to continue for Coach Berube. And then Coach Banghart now at UNC, she's going to continue to do a phenomenal job there, I think. Yeah, I think one of the really um, great things that Coach Baker is really good at is creating culture. Um, because when I first came to Princeton, there was a culture of obviously winning, but like individually holding yourself to a certain standard. And it was something that wasn't really like talked about. You just like understood it once you came, like how you saw the other players moving, like how they carry themselves. Um, and I think everywhere Coach Binghart has been so far, she's been able to do that, and that's what then translates to a very successful program. Um, and so I think she set Princeton up in a way that they're going to continue getting a lot of good players and continue raising the bar for what um, Ivy League basketball is because previously, um, many years ago, because now it's a lot better, but Ivy League basketball used to be looked at as the league that can't really play. They're just a league of like really smart athletes who can't really actually play basketball. But she really changed that, and now players know they can come there and they can be successful academically, of course, but also be really good basketball players, play on really big stages, play against other really good schools. Um, And so I think that's something that's really important now in the continued development of the Ivy League. Absolutely. I mean, and she, you know, got a kid to the WNBA. I mean, not her specifically. Bella Allery (laughs) did the work herself. But, you know, you don't always have to go to a top program like the Tennessees and Yukons to get to the next level. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think even outside the Ivy League, I think that's becoming um, a more commonly understood theme is that you don't have to go to those big schools. You can go to mid-majors. Um, and still prove yourself where you're able to play at that next level. So, yeah, that's definitely very important. Absolutely. So how was your relationship with Coach Banghart during your four years? How would you like being coached by her? I really enjoyed being coached by Coach Banghart and the whole staff generally um, because, one, they treat us um, as humans first for players. They're all very empowered women. They all um, went to very high um, prestigious schools as well. So they understand that challenge we have 
um, balancing rigorous academics and athletics. So they understood us at the personal level first. And I think that's what um, made the bond between the team and the coaches so special and was able to um, help our program become so successful. That's awesome. Your freshman year, 2015, Princeton has one of its best seasons, if not its best season ever. You guys are undefeated until your last game, which is a second round loss in the NCAA tournament. But you're 31 and one, uh, just a phenomenal season to begin your college career with. Yeah, I mean, that season felt unreal because, like, it was my first college season, so I didn't know what to expect regardless. And then I was like, wow, we just keep winning. Like, this is awesome. Is this what, like, college basketball is? But, um, no, the upperclassmen we had on that team were phenomenal. And I think um, I feel really grateful to have um, been able to learn so much from them. I think each of them played a huge role in how I was able to continue developing my game. Um, and it was just a great first year to um, be a part of that, that team. That's awesome. And you actually play, which is, you know, great for a freshman, especially on a team that is so good. You got into 20 games and of course, Princeton beat Brown. So you got, you beat Nelly <laughs> in the only times you played against her in college. So I'm sure you don't bring that up to her at all. Um, every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Were your parents yeah. able to go to the game? Yeah, they did. They went to the one um, that was at Princeton. Um, oh, true, because so- it was also at Brown as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they went to the Princeton one. Who, like, what do they do? Do they, does one wear a Princeton shirt and one wear a brown shirt? Um, I'm trying to remember what they did. I think that was the case. I think maybe my, my mom wore Princeton, my dad wore brown. Either that or they both just wore, like, neutral colors. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was definitely fun having them there. Nice, nice. Were they nervous? I feel like I would be nervous if I had two kids that were playing against each other. <laughs> I think they were just mostly like so proud that this moment had come to fruition. Um, just seeing both their daughters playing at such high levels um, and on that stage, I think it was just a very um, proud moment for them. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And how often in general were they able to get to your games? A lot, actually, which is wow. surprising seeing as though um, Kansas is not necessarily close to the East Coast, <laughs> but they really made it um, a point to come to as many of our games as possible. And that was just really helpful, of course, being far from home, being able to see them so often. So, um, yeah, it was really, it was really good. That's awesome. And they had the added difficulty of having a younger kid at home that was also in season playing basketball. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tough. Yeah. So somehow yeah. they found a way to make it work. <laughs> that's amazing. I bet they're so happy now that Serena is the only one in the Ivy League so they can just root for her team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I have to ask this question. Leslie Robinson was in the same recru- recruiting class as you, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Obviously a great basketball player. Um, how wild was that, though, playing with the president's niece? <laughs> yeah, it was honestly um, a really cool experience. I remember when I was first being recruited, um, I was on the phone with Coach Banghart, and she told me that one of my like recruiting class members was the president's niece. And I just assumed that she meant like the Princeton University president's niece. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And it wasn't <laughs> until like much later that I realized that she meant like the president of the United States. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it created some really cool experiences for us. Like we got to go to the White House. Um, we have to play basketball on like the White House, like court. Uh, Michelle Obama came to one of our games and was actually in our locker room at halftime, which I was just like so starstruck. Um, and then also President Obama came to um, 
one of our NCAA games, I think it was against Maryland, but yeah, it was, it was a really unreal um, experience. That's amazing. Yeah, I remember that year he got some heat for picking Princeton to go really far in his bracket. But like, what's he supposed to do? It's his niece. Of course, he's going to pick yeah. pick her team. Exactly, exactly. That's so wild. But this might be a really stupid question. But obviously, for some of the time that you're in college, Barack Obama was the president. So did you guys have extra security? Um, I feel like we did at certain games. I think when we played in D.C., we did. Um, but it wasn't every game, just like a um, couple. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure how yeah. that worked if like nieces and nephews of presidents get security or not. Yeah, just that one game I think in DC. Okay, nice. Yeah. And sophomore year, Princeton goes 23 and 6, and you're able to play in every game. But then in the summer, this is where it gets really interesting. Going into your junior year, you had the opportunity to play on the Cameroon national team with your older sister. So tell me all about that experience. Yeah, so um, the Cameroon Federation of Basketball had reached out to us. So they had an upcoming tournament, and they had been following us as we were getting older. So like I said, my dad played in um, for the Cameroon national team, so they knew of us. Um, and it was honestly such an honor just to be – um, called to participate in something like that, um, that they wanted us to be a part of that um, team. Um, and then especially with my sister, it was just an unreal experience, like representing our country, um, our home, our family, and the it together. And then also getting to travel the world. Um, it was unforgettable. That's wild. So how long were you with the team that summer? Um, that summer, I think we had training camp for about a month or a month and a half. And then the tournament itself was, I think, two weeks okay wow that's a good chunk of time that was a real cool experience with Nelly because you know previous to that you hadn't played together since high school yeah yeah so it was really cool um we always joked about how um just being back on the court again and being able to but this time like on the same team because in college you're on opposite teams so we're just related it back to like those high school days like you said nice how did the team do (laughs) in the tournament um, so that year it was the, the Olympic qualifiers and I think we got to the semifinals, so I think we were like a couple of games away from qualifying, which was a little bit of a bummer, but at the same time, it was just really cool to, that was my first international basketball experience. Um, and it was just cool to see, obviously basketball is like different in every country and see how other teams, like their styles of play, um, and just like that environment of everybody having so much pride for their country. It was just really such a great to be a part of yeah that must have been really cool to play for a country across your chest mm-hmm. yeah definitely and i guess you're about like 20 or so but i imagine a bunch of your teammates were were older like they could have been like 10 years older or more was that kind of a wild experience yeah yeah it was i was definitely the baby by far um <laughs> and i always joke about that but it was super cool learning from people who have been playing basketball for such a long time and also playing with the um, Cameroon national team for a while. So it was just um, definitely helped me in my development of my game and just personally as well. Yeah, yeah. And when you get back to campus as a junior, you again play in every game. You make 11 starts. But looking at stats, it seems like you had a big jump in production that year. Do you contribute any of that with the experience you had over the summer with the national team? Yeah, definitely, for sure. I think um, playing at that level, one, it helped me develop more skills, but it also increased my confidence. And I was like, 
um, just thinking to myself, like, if I can play with these girls, then, you know, I must be, like, pretty good. So then just bringing that back to um, Princeton and just having that confidence going into my upperclassmen years. Yeah, yeah, no, that will for sure give someone confidence. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a down year for Princeton, though, which is rare for you guys. You go, you guys go 16 and 14. What was going on? Was it just a bit of a rebuilding year? Yeah, so they, that year we had lost our big um, class of five. That was also a part of that undefeated season. Um, and so a lot of us had minimal experience actually playing um, in games together. So it was just a big learning year, um, which was needed then to propel us forward. But, yeah, just definitely a year of growth and just figuring things out and just coming together. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it puts you, well, we'll talk about the next years, but it puts you in position to be just right back where you were before, just on top at the Ivy League. Um, but that junior year, it's the first year of Ivy Madness. The Ivy League conference, you know, for years were the, was the only conference that didn't have a tournament at the end of the season. And they created one with the top four seeds. Was that a welcome change for you guys? Yeah, for sure. I think it kind of made us feel that we were more part of um, that level of basketball now that we added that aspect to our league. Um, and it was just really fun to be a part of that first year. Um, obviously, postseason play is always fun and exciting, and so for them to add that to the Ivy League was just really special. Would you like to see it where every team gets to play, though? That would actually be cool because obviously the Ivy League um, one of the smaller leagues, I would say. Um, and it would be cool to see all eight teams go. There could be a lot of upsets and be really a really fun time. So yeah, that would be really fun. Yeah, I hope they do change that in the future. But it does obviously make the regular season way more important because you have mm-hmm. to you know be a top four seed to get in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You guys actually lose the first Ivy Madness, but since that, Princeton has not lost one. I mean, I know one was canceled and one didn't happen because there was no season, but still, that's a pretty good run so far that Princeton's had. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's just really a testament to the coaches uh, and the programs that they've been building, and also the players, of course, um, that we've been able to continue having that success. So it's been really fun to continue supporting them in that way. Absolutely. And now this year you play in the WNIT. You know, you see a lot of coaches turn down the WNIT lately, but were you guys excited to play and excited to play in March? We were excited to play for sure. Um, I think at Princeton in particular, um, over the last years, um, it's almost like expected that we go to NCAA. So it was a little bit, I guess, hurt to our pride. Um, but then we have to remember that a lot of teams don't even play postseason at all. Um, so then just taking that in with that mindset and understanding you'll still a privilege to still be playing. And also we played against Villanova, which is a great program. Um, so I think we still made the most of it. Still had a great time. Yeah, I'll never understand teams that turn down the w- WNIT because you're at the end of the day, you're playing for a trophy and it just propels you mm-hmm. to do well the next season. You're getting forward momentum and you're playing more basketball, which is never a bad thing. Exactly, for sure. The summer between junior and senior year, you again play for the Cameroon national team. So, um, yeah, just talk about that. Was Nelly also playing and what tournament it was and how long you were there? Um, yeah, I think Nelly played that year again. And this year it was the, I'm trying to think, everything like blurs together. <laughs> but I, I think it was um, Afro Basket, which is 
Um, basically a tournament of all the qualified African nation teams, um, and they come together to play for like the, the championship of the nation, um, which is, it's huge. They have it for soccer and all other sports. It's like a huge contest um, across all sports across the African continent. Um, and it was just wow. really fun. I really fun to see um, how much basketball is growing in the African nation and how much players are developing. Um, and then also just really cool to be able to travel to other um, African countries because before that I'd only been to Cameroon. Mm. Um, so I think we went to the Ivory Coast. We went to uh, Mali, and we went to, um, I think, Senegal. So, yeah, it was a really, really great experience, a lot of fun. That's awesome. I mean, obviously from the basketball perspective, but it also must have been cool to just get to see other countries and, and learn about other cultures. Yeah, for sure, especially because a lot of people kind of group the Afri- African continent as just like one place, mm-hmm. not understanding that there's so many different countries and even within those countries, so many different diverse cultures and Absolutely. languages. Um, so being able to see that firsthand was really um, inspiring and empowering. Did you have a favorite country? Um, or a favorite really city enjoyed, within a country? Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the Ivory Coast. I know that's not a city, but um, there was just cool, the culture was so vibrant, and there was just so many um, just cool things to see and do, and it just felt like a very, um, just like I said, a vibrant country. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. And I imagine that Coach Banghart was all in on you playing both those summers. Yeah, for sure. She was very supportive. Um, she would check in every now and then. I think she kept up with the tournament, too. So, yeah, she was definitely a big support during the time. Nice, nice. Because Princeton doesn't have, or I guess Ivy League in general, they don't do summer classes, right? No, they don't. So that's something that's very different about the Ivy League. Um, and one of the reasons why, like I mentioned earlier, creating culture is so important because we don't have any summer classes. So we're not on campus. We're all, all over the place. Um, and also... Princeton, like the university itself, has a lot of internship opportunities internationally, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of our athletes take advantage of that. So one of the things, what one of the reasons why it's so important for that, like culture of commitment and um, holding yourself accountable, is important because we have to still be training and making sure that we're staying on top of our workouts, um, so that when we do come back, that we're at the same level as the other schools that have been playing together all summer and training together all summer. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's something that even make, makes us, I think, more. Um, um, it kind of makes us play the chip on our shoulder when we do come back. That, that's such like a disadvantage for the Ivy League, but you're right. If you have a good culture, if you have kids that are committed to, you know, doing what they have to do over the summer, it, uh, it, it's, it's obviously less of a disadvantage then. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's also um, important in that we still get the opportunity to experience things outside of basketball because not everyone plays continues playing basketball after college, so having those summers off to, like, invest and engage in other things outside of our sport, um, I think is really important for our um, growth. Absolutely. Yeah, to be able to go to another country and do an internship, that, that is awesome, and it's not just mm-hmm. all about sports. You're right. Yeah. Your senior year at Princeton, you guys have a complete turnaround. You go 24-6, and six, and you're going to win the Ivy League tournament. So how much did that mean to you guys winning the tournament? It must have been a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot for sure. Um, I remember before that season sitting down with um, my other two classmates, uh, Leslie Robinson, like you mentioned, then Kenya Holland. And we just kind of really just talked about what we wanted that season to be, our last season together, um, our last season playing with the team. 
and then how, like, just talk to the team about it as well. And I think all of us coming in with a similar mindset of like wanting to kind of get the program back on track and have a really successful season was really important. And then from then on, it was just about just having fun, enjoying the moment. Nice, nice. Yeah, you guys were great leaders. I think some of the the younger players on the team were even quoted as saying that in interviews. Yeah, I think I think our class was unique in that it was only three of us, which is a fairly small class um, compared to the other years around us. Um, but we all had such different, unique techniques of of leading, um, but that all complement each other very well. And I think we were just able to like create just a very strong force of how we wanted to lead that team. Definitely. And you mentioned the the smaller class. You're kind of right. Princeton has large recruiting classes. You know, you watch a game. Their bench is full. They've got a lot of kids ready to go, which is a great thing, but it's also a hard thing because obviously not all those kids can get the playing time that they want. Yeah, for sure. I think um, what makes Princeton so special is that people want to go there because obviously they want to succeed, um, succeed academically but also athletically. So that comes first to them. And then once they're in the program, they're able to find where they can fit in how they can help the team in various ways. And I think um, kind of going back against the culture that I said, everybody has an understanding and respect for their role and other people's role. And they just feel very um, compelled and proud of what their role is and how they can help the team whatever way they do. So even though we do typically have larger teams, I think everybody generally, not, not saying that everybody's comfortable where they are, but they know that their time will come. And in the meantime, that they just have to continue working hard and, um, do what they can to help the team in that moment. I love that. Yeah, and a, a lot yeah. of other programs you'll see, you know, it'll be transfer portal galore. But uh, but yeah, when you mm-hmm. have a great culture like that, and obviously the academics, you know, it's 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 a little bit harder to transfer out of Princeton once you're in Princeton. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, you're a starter that year, and you just have a tremendous personal season as well. Um, but yeah, you guys get into the NCAA tournament again unfortunately lose to Maryland in the first round. And it's really particularly unfortunate because you guys are a mid-major, right? You're a smaller conference. So you typically get a lower seed, even though you were probably a better seed than you get. I mean, we saw it this year. Like anyone that has watched Princeton play knew that it wasn't necessarily an upset when they beat Kentucky. But, you know, when you see 11 versus six, like, yes, that technically is an upset. Yeah, I think it's really unfortunate and something that I hope will change soon um, because Princeton, it's not like we've had like one lucky year. Like we've been consistently very good. Um, and even in um, non-season play, we always play very tough teams, tough schedules. Um, whereas I'm not trying to throw but not all the Ivy League teams do. So I think we really put ourselves in a position to like challenge ourselves and still do very well with those challenges. So I'm hoping going forward, the committees will see that and, um, hopefully give us better seedings. I know it's tempting when you see Kentucky to rank them higher than Princeton, but I think hopefully they'll look more at, like, you know, what are these teams actually doing, how they're actually competing, who they have on their squad, um, and then make the decisions that way. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. And you guys always do play a, um, a really tough out-of-conference schedule. You know, you play some Big East teams, you'll play some, you know, national teams. I know this year they played Texas, I think, Water Gulf Coast, so... Um... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, I think just watching them play, because I think they could have easily been a six seed. Uh, That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And the years that you played, uh, I think, like this particular year, I forget what seed you were, 
but I'm sure it was lower than what you deserved. Yeah, I think we're like a 12 seed that year. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was so. impossible. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's nuts. Um, but yeah, just, you know, hopefully seeing what they were able to do this year and what you guys did your freshman year, hopefully they can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rework that a bit because that's ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. I agree. But just overall, incredible Princeton career for you. You graduate with a degree from an Ivy League school, which is one of the best in the country. So it's amazing. You have a lot to be proud of. Yeah, thank you. I can only um, attest that to my support system, my family, of course, and everybody who helped me because it's definitely not easy and it's definitely not something you can do um, by yourself. You really need a whole village around you to support. So I was definitely grateful to have a very huge and very supportive support system. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, no, that always helps. Mm-hmm. So you then go on to play professional basketball. So talk about your decision to pursue a pro career, where you've played, what you've continued to do with the national team. Just tell me it all. Yeah, so when I finished playing college basketball, I realized I wasn't ready to be done with the game. Um, I've been playing it since I was like six, and it was so close to me. And obviously I knew it had to end at some point, but I knew there were options to continue playing and continue um, pursuing my dream and my passion. And so that summer after my senior year, I was able to connect with a couple of girls who played overseas. They put me in contact with agents and coaches, and I was able to find a coach um, in the WBBL in the UK, um, which they have about 12 teams, I think, and I think a lot of their teams are paired with, like, nearby universities where their foreign players can play on the um, professional teams and also go to school and get their master's. And I was like, well, perfect. Like, a master's obviously would be – super helpful when I finished playing basketball and then uh, also I get to play and also I get to travel. I was like, it's a no brainer. So that first year I was in Edinburgh, United Kingdom, which is in Scotland um, technically, um, which I had no idea what Scotland was. I barely knew where it was, Um, but it was the most beautiful city I've ever been in. I still this day, it's still my favorite place that I've traveled to, lived in, and I want to go back soon. Um, and I just had the best experience, like my teammates, the coaches, the food. Like, it, it was just everything that I didn't even know that I was, like, hoping for. Um, and it was a great time. Unfortunately, towards the end of that season, I tore my Achilles, which was not great. I think we had maybe, like, four or five games left. So it wasn't, like, too early in the season. But I had to come back here. I finished the rest of my courses and my dissertation um, virtually. And then rehab um, that spring and over summer. And then the next season went to Spain. Um, where I, I went to Lanzarote, which is in um, the Canary Islands of Spain, which was like a dream, like living on the island. Like it was the best time. But unfortunately, I think I had gone back too soon and my Achilles just like wasn't ready. Uh-huh. Um, so I came back here for like Christmas break and a couple of months, rehab a little bit more. And then went back to the UK, but a different city. Um, so this was Sheffield, which is a little more south um, of Edinburgh. It's kind of like smack dab in the middle of the UK, actually. And I just happened to also have family out there. So it was cool getting to see them and hang out with them. And again, just like fell in love with the city, which I think I just love the UK in general now, which is why I just love all the cities that I went to. And then after, and then that was the season that COVID canceled um, the season in March. I was only there for about two or three months, but had, it was amazing two or three months. 
and then was here for the summer and then went back for my final season in Placencia, Spain, which is about an hour east of Portugal. So um, some, a place I'd never heard of in Spain, but it was also very beautiful, a little cute, quaint town. Um, and then, of course, in between those times, played with Cameroon some more, played with them just recently, actually, last fall in another Afrobasket tournament. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of really been all over the place with basketball, which has been a lot of fun, just traveling, just seeing new places, meeting new people, making some really great friends. So, yeah, it's been quite the whirlwind, but would definitely do it all over again. That's awesome. Wow, you got to see some really cool places. Was it hard being overseas and away from your family? It was, um, especially the time difference, making it hard to call them. And then True. you would see, like, them hanging out for Thanksgiving, which we don't usually get to come home for and kind of feel a little bit bummed. Um, but then I was able to make a lot of really good friends overseas. That made it a lot easier. And then just knowing that I was living in another country and seeing all these cool places and making all these new experiences definitely made it um, a lot easier. And then actually my parents were able to come and see me a few times, which was super nice, like the best time of my life. But Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so it, it, was, it was tough at times, but it was worth it in the long run. Nice, nice. And you had mentioned that um, it was your final season. So have you hung it up or are you retired? Um, officially slash unofficially as Cameroon. I know they have some tournaments coming up, and if like they were to call me again, I would consider it. Um, but, yeah, it's just hard because, like, with injuries and just getting older, which I, I'm only 26, <laughs> I say I'm getting older, but, um, yeah, it just starts to wear and tear on your body a little bit more than it used to. So, um, for Cameron, I, I would um, take the shoes back out, but that would probably be about it. Okay, okay, very yeah. cool. How is your Achilles today? Is it 100%? It, like, it is, but it isn't. The Achilles is such a, like, weird um, tendon in that, it essentially will never be the same as it ever was. So it's like a bit thicker, a little bit stiffer. If I am going to like do a lot of exercise, I have to like um, just make sure it's really loose. Like it takes a lot of time to like kind of get it going. Um, so, I mean, I, I can do everything that I did before, but it's just like how I go about it is um, different. Yeah, that injury is is so weird because some people, you know, Kevin Durant, um, they come back real soon and then it takes mm -hmm. other people a longer time, which I guess is true of any injury, but I just feel like the Achilles is such a scary one. Yeah, it is. I know because they told me when I first injured it that the recovery time was like 6 to 12 months and I was like, that's such a long like, time frame, it makes no sense, yeah. but I think what helps obviously like the players at the highest level is like Kevin Durant and like... Um, I can't remember who else tore theirs, but they, it's one of those tendons that, like, it gets really stiff really quickly, so if you're able to have somebody, like, working on it every day, it's going to be able to, like, heal faster, um, so obviously you have, like, all the resources and things like that, but then if you don't, then that's why it takes a little bit longer, but, yeah, it's very, very intricate tendon, <laughs> so... Yeah, no, for sure. And a lot of people say that when they originally have the injury, it feels like they got kicked. Is that what happened with you? Yeah, I, I actually, so I, was, I either went up to shoot or, like, came down from shooting where I heard it pop. And, like Oof. you said, like, her, I felt like I heard somebody kick the back of my shoe. And I was like, that was weird. Why did I hear that? And then I tried to, like, turn around and run. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can't really do that. And then that's when I realized something was wrong. But weirdly, like, I had no pain, like, at the initial time of the injury, which I guess varies for every person. 
it might have been just like the shock or the adrenaline or what, but like I, all I knew was I couldn't like walk on it. And then of course after surgery, like the healing time, like it would hurt every now and then just because like the swelling. But yeah, it was it was definitely a different experience. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't wish any athlete to get that that injury. Yeah. But glad that yeah. you were able to recover from it. Yeah, yeah. And it was a long road, but it was it was good. It's interesting that it doesn't like feel the same. Yeah, I know. It's like it's hard to explain unless I guess you've had it, but mm-hmm. because once like so I think sometimes I either just like so once the tendon like tears basically kinda like rolls up. And so either they can, like, unroll it and, like, reattach it, or they can, like, add more tendons from, like, a deceased body or another part in your body. Um, but I think mine was still okay enough that they could reattach it. But while it's healing, like, your body, like, senses that something's wrong and kind of, like, like makes it heal, um, like, a lot stronger than it was, like, knowing there was a problem, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's just, like, really stiff and, like, super, like, tight and strong and, so it's just something that you have to, like, I guess, reteach your body to, like, relax that area and, like, um, have that full range of motion back. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know at one point, I don't know if it was in between your seasons or if it was when you first retired, you actually were a part of Coach Banghart's staff at UNC for a bit, right? Yeah, I was. So when I came back um, home from Lanzarote, when I had realized I had returned to soon to my injury, I knew that the end of my career was, like, on the horizon. So I was like, let me try and, like, get some, I would say, outside of basketball experience, but it was still, like, within basketball, but I guess some, like, working experience. Um, and that was the season that she had gone to UNC, which was, like, 20 minutes from me. And so I connected with her, and she was like, yeah, we have a lot to do, obviously, um, with just trying to get our program started. Um, and so I was able to go and help her. And then also Coach Carrie Moore was also on the coaching roster at the time, so I was able to work with her. And then Megan, who was Adobo. So it was really cool just, like, being in that circle again. And I felt very at home because, of course, I I played for them um, for a while. So, yeah, it was just cool to get some, I guess, like, non-playing experience and kind of figure out what I might want to do after basketball. Nice, nice. And uh... – Carrie Moore was just named the Harvard head coach, right? Yeah, she was. Um, awesome. Incredibly excited for her. Um, I know she can do great things for that program. She's one of the smartest coaches, if not the smartest that I've ever played for. But then on top of that, she really cares about people at the individual level. And so I think she's going to do just tremendous things there. Definitely, definitely. So, Tia, what are you up to now? So now I am based in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm working in marketing at a tech company. Um, and I've had a lot of fun. It's been a, a huge learning experience because um, up until this point, my life has only been basketball. So just learning how, um, one, to find things out of the basketball that I enjoy, which I've recently gotten to roller skating. So that's wow, been interesting. Okay. Um, but then also just, like, finding myself in, like, the working world um, and just building my career and finding out where I want to take that. Um, it's been actually a lot of fun, so... Yeah. Very cool. Wait, so tell me more about roller skating. Like, um, the actual skates or the blades? Oh, no, this the skates. The blades I could not do. I would just, like, fall right over. But, <laughs> but when I was um, growing up, I used to, like, love roller skating. We had this roller skating rink called Skate World in Oakland Park. And probably from the ages of, like, 7 to 12, I would have every single birthday party there. <laughs> nice. um, 
And so I just, I don't know why, I just loved it. And then obviously, like, high school and college, I kind of stopped doing it. And then since I've been done with basketball, I've been looking for other, like, hobbies and things to, like, um, that interest me. And I was like, let me try and get back into roller skating. So I picked it up. And I still have a, a couple of skills I used to have, but it's definitely a work in progress. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. Very cool. So can you only do it at a rink? Um, I've been doing it, yeah, at a rink. And then you can also do it at, like, outdoor tennis courts or basketball courts. Like, basically anywhere that's not, like, a sidewalk and too, like, bumpy. Um, gotcha. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Very mm-hmm. cool. And, you know, you're so connected to Ivy League basketball. Your sister, Serena, would she just finish up her sophomore season? Actually, she's graduating this spring. So she's almost oh, done. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I still can't believe it. It's, like, flown by. Oh, wow. Okay. I totally got that, <laughs> the year wrong on that. Well, okay. So she's graduating. You're graduating. Yeah. Good for I her. Know. But tell yeah. me this, how, how did you allow her to pick Penn? It's the Princeton's main rival in the Ivies. I know, I know. I mean, once she fell in love with the school, I couldn't really, like, discourage her. But I still always, <laughs> like, make fun and post jokes at her. Um, but, yeah, I know. That's, like, her number one rival. It's like, dang, couldn't choose any other school. <laughs> Do yeah. you, um, who did you root for when, when Princeton played Penn? Uh, it was just, I kind of just was trying to be neutral and just like, just watch the game as it unfolds. But yeah, it was definitely <laughs> tough. <laughs> I bet. Wow. And um, yeah, you sound like you still follow the Princeton program. Do you also follow the UNC program since you were a part of it for a bit and your head I coach do, is there? I do. Yeah, I've actually really, really enjoyed following UNC. Um, what Coach Bing has done with Justin, like, I think three years of being there is like, tremendous I mean this year went to the 16 and when she um first acquired the program like I don't think they even had made the ACC tournament in the last couple years so it's just been super cool to see all the talent she's brought in and just all the big things they're doing they're so exciting to watch um yeah definitely love following both UNC and Princeton both fun programs to watch Definitely. And I have to pat myself on the back. I always said, like, when, when Coach Banghart was at Princeton, I said, you know, it's only a matter of time before she's offered a, a job in the Power Five. And once she has one, she's going to do a tremendous job recruiting because she did a tremendous job recruiting at Princeton, but there's only so much you can do, you know? There's, yeah. you know, like you said, you, you, you committed to the admissions process, whereas at other schools you don't have to do that. And mm-hmm. I've been proven right. Uh, she got Deja Kelly. She just got like the number three recruit in the nation. And I apologize. I'm not remembering her name at the moment, but she's doing great. Yeah, no, one thing that Coach Banner can do for sure is recruit. I don't know how she finds them, but she finds them and she convinces them to come play for her. And yeah, she's definitely very good at doing that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Unfortunately, they took a hit because of the absolute disgrace uh ruling that the ncaa made about the canceled year for the ivy league so they unfortunately have carly littlefield i think that's just awful i know it was so unfortunate and you would think that was something so unpredictable and so like everybody in the whole world was affected they would have a little bit more grace with it but yeah yeah really really Uh, unfortunate I could talk about that for hours. It's, it's just <laughs> mind boggling. And then they'll let kids like transfer three different times. It's really, like, it's just, like, <laughs> exactly. I could go on for a while. <laughs> I think I was watching something in, I think it was men um, on the men's side of NCAA tournament. And there was some guy who had played at like 
four different schools. And I was just like, how did they even happen? Like, yeah, no yeah, no, I know exactly who you're then, talking like, about. He played at Miami. Yeah. yeah, 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 it was Miami. Yeah. So I just like yeah. seeing what happened like that. But then, you know, other things like with Carl Littlefield, they don't allow. So it's just, yeah. Mind boggling. Yeah. Littlefield gets a degree from Princeton has, and then can't exercise the, the extra year that you've awarded everyone else. It's, mm-hmm. oh, it's, oh, yeah. I gotta, it's just gonna, I'm just gonna make me mad. I gotta stop talking about it. <laughs> I know. <sighs> but I guess that then also affects your sister. She's pretty much done, right? She, if she wanted to take an extra year, she couldn't have. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, but I think she was pretty much set on not playing after college, but yeah. For her and, like, her class, if they did want to continue, it'd be, be the same situation, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunate. Yeah. But, sorry to end on a bummer, but T, I really <laughs> loved our conversation. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. Honestly, it, it was just fun to sit down and kind of, like, remember all, like, the best memories um, in my basketball experience. So I'm really thankful that you reached out to do this. Of course. Yeah, you have a great career. But I do like to end the podcast with a couple fun questions. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. All right. So what professional sports teams do you root for? Like you're in Kansas. Do you Mm -hmm. go Kansas City? What is it? Um, So randomly, I like the Golden State Warriors. (laughs) Uh, Also like the Milwaukee Bucks. Who else do I like? Um, Trying to think of other sports. Sporting like teams. I am blanking right now. Who else do I like? Yeah, that's about. I mean, I mostly follow college sports and then like professionally, just like here and there. But yeah, those are probably like my top two. Okay. As mm-hmm. a rule, though, does Kansas root for like Kansas City, Missouri teams? Like you guys, like Chiefs fans and all that. Oh yeah. Wait, how could I forget? I love the Chiefs. As <laughs> as of late, of course. I I have to admit, I was kind of a bandwagon fan once I saw they were doing well. Like, when I actually lived in Kansas City, I was like, eh. But then, like, once I moved away and they, like, started doing well, I was like, oh, wait, actually, yeah, I'll be a Chiefs fan. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely um, both Kansas and Missouri both, like, root for, like, the Kansas City teams, even though they're technically in Missouri. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, no, that's exciting. The The Chiefs have been good. I think they're going to continue to be pretty good. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the antics of the brother and the wife. That's just insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question. What TV show are you currently binge watching? Oh, TV. Well, I love, like, love reality TV shows. So I'm currently watching Selling Sunset and also Real Housewives of Atlanta. And then also just finished Love is Blind. Like, I'm a sucker for reality tv and love shows so like anything up the alley like i've definitely (laughs) watched it okay are you a bachelor fan oh my gosh yes i absolutely love bachelor bachelorette bachelor in paradise like all of it (laughs) oh yeah me too me too this last season was absolutely wild i'm excited for the the double bachelorette season yes me too although i'm really confused how they're going to do that because i know Previously, they had had two bachelorettes, but, like, at the first season, like, they had the guys choose one. So I'm wondering how they're going to do it, like, when the two stay the whole time. Like, will they date the same guys or, like, I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah. I don't, from what I've heard, just from, like, it's not really, I don't know if it's a spoiler, but I, I don't think they have the same, like, I think they're in, like, the top four right now. I don't, I think they're different. So somehow it's okay. split. Yeah. So then you would, like, 
because what if one girl likes a guy, but he likes the other girl? Like, it could just get really messy. So I do hope it's, like, separated in some way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you, like, you said Real Housewives of Atlanta. Do you like all the other Bravo shows? I do, yeah. I actually just recently got into Real Housewives, though, so I've only watched, um, I've watched a little bit of Potomac and then essentially all of Salt Lake City, which sounds like it wouldn't be a fun city to watch, but it was, like, so entertaining <laughs> so yeah and then i'm gonna one. try and like get to the other ones but they're all like have gone back like so many years i feel like i'll have to like start halfway and watch from there i know yeah like new jersey beverly hills all mm-hmm. the other they have like 12 seasons it's yeah it's, uh, it's a lot <laughs> yeah i'm a big summer house person that's a fun show we'll have to get into that one oh that. you should you should it's insane hmm. all right Last question to you. If you could have dinner with one person, living or dead, who would it be? Ooh, that is a tough one. I would have to say Serena Williams just because I've always just looked up to her as an athlete, also as a person. And randomly, like, I'm not trying to, like, to my own horn, but people have told me that I look kind of like her. So that would probably <laughs> be uh, my number one. Okay, you look like her. How's your tennis game? Oof, I've not played tennis, and I'm a little more younger, and we're still figuring out our sports. We played tennis a couple times, and just the part I hated the most was, like, once we would have, like, you know, played a couple, like, um, back and forth, we'd have to, like, go around and pick up all the balls, and that would just, like, be my worst. <laughs> like, the, the part I had hated the least, though. But, um, yeah, I, I would like to try and get back out soon and just try to play for fun. But yeah, it's a fun sport to play, especially as an older person. Not that you're older. I just mean like after <laughs> after you yeah. you know finished playing a professional career, it's a fun thing to you know stay in shape yeah. and, and all that. No, yeah, for sure. And I definitely no like shade. I'm older than you are. <laughs> no, I definitely um, like things where I can still be competitive. So yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah, yeah. I actually recently played for the first time in a couple years. I used to have a backhand. I realized that I no longer have that backhand. So, (laughs) Tia, thank you so much for taking some time tonight to come on the podcast. Like I said, I really loved our conversation. As as a person from New Jersey, I followed your career at Princeton. So it was so great to have you on. Oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate it, Bridget. Like I said, I've had so much fun. Like reminiscing and going over um, some of my most memorable times. So thank you so much for having me. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Tia Oleggi. Hope you enjoyed it. What an impressive young woman in Ivy League education, had a great basketball career at Princeton, then went on to play professionally and represent Cameroon. Really cool. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.